Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where our love for books requires no translation. I'm Jeanette. I'm Susan. And I'm Meredith. Hey guys, welcome to episode 50. Oh my hey. goodness. 50. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. I was making the doc and I was typing the word five, or typing the word, typing the numbers five zero. It's like, oh my gosh, we're 50. <laughs> I know. It does not feel like it. Yeah. It goes by so books. quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, how are you guys as we celebrate this momentous occasion? Um, well, to celebrate number 50, I am recording in a new location. Woo! Because our Ooh. basement is officially done. Yay! Like we, Yay. we got the final ex- inspection and we passed. So... That is so exciting. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> that a relief, super I'm sure. exciting, yeah. Yep. Um, we have had some, had some uh, experiences. <laughs> we learned some <laughs> things. <laughs> oh, I bet. Uh, but we're done, so that's very exciting. And uh, on, on a more recenter note, because this happened uh, a few weeks ago, we got a paddleboard, so I've actually been outdoors a lot yesterday, this whole weekend, so... Um, that's fun. Not, not too much reading going on, but it's all good. <laughs> fun in yeah. the sun. Yep. Yeah, enjoy the nice weather. Yep. I could say like, yeah, I was sitting on lakeside reading a book while my kids played, uh, but that's not happening yet. So, <laughs> Yeah, maybe another couple years, right? Yeah. <laughs> Soon. Yep. <laughs> so how are you, Meredith? Oh, I'm doing really well. Uh, so I've had some fun bookish events recently. Um, I got to see Saba Tahir when she came to Politics and Prose at, I guess it was the end of June. So she was on her Reaper at the Gates tour, and it was really fun. Uh, a few of us that got in early with the pre-ordering actually got to come early to a little VIP event for the first 20 pre-orders. So we all just kind of like sat in a circle with Saba and asked her questions and stuff. And it was really cool. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) That sounds fun. Yeah, it was. And and then obviously the, just the actual event was really nice too. Um, The, and I actually just finished the book and it's so good. (laughs) It was really good. (laughs) Oh yeah. It was it was definitely worth the wait, and I'm sure we're going to have to wait some more for the fourth book because I don't think she started on it, but I think it'll be worth it. Uh, so, yeah, so that was back at the end of June. And then was it just last week, Jeanette? I feel like I'm losing track of time. But we got to go to the Library of Congress, which is yes. cool, you know, which is cool in and of itself, right? Yeah. But um, we have a a friend of a friend that works there and she kind of got us the behind the scenes tour hookup and we got to see so many cool rare books and some really awesome old comics and we got to go into the stacks and walk up the staircase into the reading room like totally national treasure style (laughs) yeah it was oh, so cool. Man, I saw those photos. I was like, wow, I'm so jealous. <laughs> it was so amazing. Um, like when we were walking, even the doors to the rare book room are beautiful. And as we walked through the doors, I actually whimpered a little. And I was like, thank goodness my husband isn't here because he totally make fun of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But we definitely we, understood. We were all just in shock and awe as we were walking oh, around. We were. We As we walked through the hallways, um, our guide was telling us, now make sure you put your library voices on and then kind of looked around at us because we were all silent. And we're like, <laughs> we're readers. Like we do this automatically in the presence of like amazing books. And the second they told us that we could take a few pictures, those phones came out so fast. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so. Yeah, you guys took a lot of photos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, the so. and the the books were just really interesting to see, especially just knowing how like they were really old, right, Jeanette? I mean, that's kind oh my of the gosh, point of a rare book, yeah. but super old stuff. Um, yeah, some of them from yeah. the 1600s. It was crazy. Yeah, so that was like an amazing treat to get to do that. And even if you don't get to do a cool you know, behind the scenes tour. If you're ever in DC, you definitely need to stop into the Library of Congress because it is a beautiful building. They have exhibits there that you can see. You can see um, what Jefferson's Library. Yep. They have Um, Jefferson's Library on display. Um, Right now they're running a baseball display, hmm. which Mm -hmm. is kind of cool. So, and I'm not into baseball. So for me to say that it's, it's gotta be pretty (laughs) cool looking. (laughs) And while we were there, obviously, we got our Library of Congress library cards. So nice. that was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It was awesome. <laughs> so, what else have you been up to, Jeanette? You mean besides standing in the crow's nest at the Library of Congress? Yeah, I had to yes. throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, um, that's cool. <laughs> it was so awesome. Um, no, I'm actually. Like, I'm good today because, you know, it's been fun, but I'm exhausted. So yesterday, we had two really good family friends that had birthday parties for their kids. Both of the birthday parties were an hour away, but in opposite directions. Oh, man. Oh, great. (laughs) Yes. So we went, we were like, okay, well, we'll just do a lot of driving, do two parties one day. What we didn't realize was the shortcut to get from one party to the other party took us through West Virginia. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And that's a shortcut. Okay. Yeah. Oh I, it was, goodness. believe it or not. Um, so yeah, three states, two parties, one day, and one very <laughs> exhausted toddler. At the end oh of it. yeah, oh, that I only bet. happens in the New England area. That would never happen here. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so it's it's true. I had to get used to that when I moved up here after living in Florida for so long. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait, yep. you can get to other states quickly, right? In and, one day, yeah. like in half a day. <laughs> Sometimes I still forget how close some states are to mm-hmm. where we are. And which was one of the things that happened yesterday was I was driving down this highway in Maryland and all of a sudden my GPS says, welcome to West Virginia. And I was like, (laughs) I didn't know we were going to be in West Virginia today. Okay. Funny. All right. (laughs) So we drove and went through West Virginia for like, I don't know, not even that long, half hour, 45 minutes. And then all of a sudden we're back in Virginia. (laughs) So that's yeah, funny how that happens. Huh? Yeah, yeah oh, but my funny. GPS did not say welcome to Virginia, so I was not convinced until <laughs> I actually started seeing the signs for our location. Oh, <laughs> so, my goodness. But oh. it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's got good. to see good very good friends and like I said, birthday parties, so running around, water games. No reading, but 
Good times. <laughs> well, you know, we have to have some balance in our lives, right? So obviously we haven't gotten much reading. Well, actually, I got some reading done yesterday, but. <laughs> <laughs> Quite you. The, <laughs> ragger, you know. I'm. My my husband's out of town this weekend, so I'm like, yes, I get to read and not get interrupted. So that was nice. Um, <laughs> but what have you been reading? Uh, well, I'm continuing my rereads with Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. So the best Ooh. one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I think I'm a third of the a third of the way through. Um, the fat lady just got attacked. So ah. yeah. And then, um, and I'm reading Fangirl by Rainbow Rainbow Rawl. Um, oh, I love that book. I know. That I am already great. like seventy percent of the way through, uh, and just like, oh, I forgot how much I love this book, and I'm tearing up, and I'm like relating. Oh, so good. I'm so glad I'm rereading this book. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. And then uh, I'm also reading Anne of Avonlea because I started reading the Anne series. And uh, it took forever to get this audiobook from the library, so. So it's still very popular then, huh? Yeah, it, apparently. So, yeah, those are what I'm reading right now. I'm, I'm like, super happy with my choices right now. <laughs> nice. You should be. I need to, like, live vicariously through you because this is great. I love all those books. Yep. <laughs> How about you, Jeanette? <laughs> oh, man. I am taking advantage of summer break. I got into teen and adult drama all in one week, which was great. I read One of Us is Lying by Karen M. McManus, which is The Breakfast Club, but with murder. Ooh. Yes. Interesting. Like, I couldn't remember what it was about. I just remembered that it had, like, a Breakfast Club background, and it makes reference to that. So it's not like, you know, oh, the writer's trying to pretend that's not happening. No, that's where she got the idea, and she makes blatant reference to it, which is great. Um, but yeah, Breakfast Club with Murder. It was a lot of fun. And then Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty, which I think you read a couple years ago, right, Susan? Yes. I liked that a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot, too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of fun drama. Yep. And then I started getting into some YA books because I'm going to be teaching a literacy class in the fall. Nice. So, Yay. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's so exciting. I'm really super excited about it. And, <laughs> you know, I want to find books that are relevant to my students. I've been reading a lot of YA. And so I read Ghost by Jason Reynolds, which is so good. It's so good. Hmm. Um, it's about this kid who kind of um, – he tries to show off. Uh, while he's at this park one day and he sees this track team practicing and it's their second practice or something like that. So he actually ends up on the team because the coach sees him run and is <laughs> yeah. like, no, you're, you're going to be on the team. And then the coach kind of helps him out with some of his personal challenges and difficulties that he's going through. And it's just really, really moving and good and really recommend that and I'm gonna have to read the rest of the series because there's two other books out right now I think of that series maybe three already that's cool yeah yeah Yeah, each there's four new kids on the track team and there's a book from each of their perspectives oh so that's really cool um now I'm reading the indigo notebook by Laura Rousseau 
And that actually takes place in Ecuador, not where I used to live, but it makes reference to a lot of like food and like different natural phenomenon and the way they describe the people. And it just makes me miss being in Ecuador and miss my family there. So it's been a lot of fun to read. And I'm reading Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson, which is her memoir, but it's written all in verse, which is also a lot of fun to read. Oh, I didn't know that about that book. Yeah, it's completely written in verse. And um, the some of the poems are super, super short. Others are a page or two. And I've been kind of stretching it out over this entire week because it's just really nice to kind of take in a poem or two, even though like sometimes if I stop reading it, I kind of lose track of where they are in the story mm-hmm. because she um, she moves from Ohio to South Carolina and then from South Carolina to Brooklyn and so sometimes I'll like she'll be visiting South Carolina and I'll like have only read two poems the day before and I'll be like oh right we're back in South Carolina. Mm, okay. Um, but the poems themselves are so beautiful that I just don't want to take them in too many at a time cuz then they'll be over. Aww. So like some of them are just really simple but really pretty. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's been fun. And what about I- you? Oh. Yeah, I I think I mentioned it last month because I think I was reading it at that point. But I also read a book in verse called The Poet X, which was really moving, was really good. Uh, it's written by a slam poet, uh, actually local to the D.C. area. And so now I'm like, man, I really I'm sure I'll revisit it, but I'd love to get the audiobook for it. Ooh, I'm I sure think that would be, be really, really good. good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you, apparently if you're looking for some books written in verse, you got Brown Girl <laughs> Dreaming or The Poet X. Yeah. Uh, so let's see what else. I recently also finished Sky in the Deep by Adrian Young, which was a young adult standalone fantasy. What? That's a rarity. <laughs> they do exist. Yeah. They do exist. Uh, and that was like a Viking-inspired fantasy. So that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah. And... Like, you know, not like my best read of the year, but it was pretty cool. Uh, And like I said, I just last night, I just finished A Reaper at the Gates and it was so good. Oh, it was really good. Uh, So if you haven't started that series, the first book is An Ember in the Ashes. It's uh, going to be a four book series. So uh, Reaper at the Gates is the third book. And I don't believe there's a set publishing date for the fourth book because I don't think she's started it yet. (laughs) Uh, So we'll see. But I would say it's still worth jumping in now if you haven't read it yet. And so now technically the only book I'm currently reading is Six of Crows and I'm really enjoying it. I got through the Grisha trilogy earlier this year because we read the first book with this podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I read the other two books to kind of stay with it while it was still fresh in my brain. And like they were fine um honestly i liked the secondary characters more than the main characters <laughs> but the world building was really interesting obviously we we talked a lot about the magic system and whatnot so i'm glad that i have that background going into the six of crows duology and i'm enjoying it so much more um 
it's because it's just a completely different feel from the Grisha trilogy, even though it's in the same universe. So, so I'm interesting. Did the Grisha yeah. trilogy come first? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. The Grisha trilogy came first. So, and I mean, you you could definitely read Six of Crows without having read mm-hmm. the Grisha trilogy, but there's just a lot of background that you wouldn't have. Right. You know, they they explain it, I guess, well enough what Grisha are, but I I so. F- just to really have a better background of what this world is and what the Grisha can do and what the heck happened in Ravka. Um, I think it would be worth reading the trilogy first. And who knows, maybe you'll really like it because it's definitely a very popular trilogy. Um, But it's just a different feel. The Six of Crows is definitely darker. It's still YA, but it's definitely darker. And they're on this like impossible heist right now, which is, I just, I love heist (laughs) books. Oh, yeah. They're fun. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure I'll finish that pretty soon. And one book I'm hoping to also start soon is My Plain Jane, which was uh, just came out a couple weeks ago and was written by the same three authors who wrote My Lady Jane. So I know it's just going to be absolutely hilarious and crazy. They, they, um, they said it was Jane Eyre meets Ghostbusters. So <laughs> I'm very intrigued. <laughs> oh, Jane Eyre. Yeah. I'm like. That's really all I had to hear to be all right. about this book. <laughs> yeah, Jeanette's definitely there for it, right? Yep. <laughs> um, there and then some. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm reading and what I'm hoping to read. But another interesting book that just came out that we found out about, actually, um, Prodigy Gold Books is a, like a small press, and they reached out to us recently to let us know that a, a new young adult fantasy was releasing on July 3rd called Kingdom of Ash and Soot by C.S. Johnson. And the book's blurb says it's Cinderella meets Mission Impossible in this spy adventure series full of political intrigue, family secrets, and a determined heroine. So we thought that sounded pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah, that Thinking really does. Heist sound... stories. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the description uh, reminds me a little bit of um, Cinderella from uh, Fables. If you've ever read the comic, so I'm really mm, interested in this. Mm. I'm like Cinderella spy. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we received e copies of the book, and so I think a couple of us are going to be reading it, and we'll give you our thoughts on a later episode about it. But for now, with the help of Prodigy Gold Books, we're hosting our first official giveaway through our Litzy page. Yay. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, so the giveaway is going to be for one ebook copy of Kingdom of Ash and Soot. So if you're on Litzy, make sure you keep an eye out on our page for the giveaway post. We'll be running it from July 16th through 23rd. And we'll also go ahead and link the book in our show notes if you want yep. some more information. Yep. So, yay! <laughs> it's always fun getting to, like, do new things, right, as as we're growing up as a podcast. For sure. And it's <laughs> nice to just give away stuff that we can, you know? like Exactly. I mean, who doesn't want a free book? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Especially an e-book. Oh. <laughs> Exa- I know, exactly. E-books are just, they're really convenient. <laughs> So, before we move on to talking about our main read, we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about translated books, because obviously A Man Called Uva was translated into English um, from Swedish by a Swedish author. So, do you read a lot of translated books, or are you kind of like me and you 
completely forget that some of the books you read were even translated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, Go ahead, Jeanette. (laughs) Well, like, honestly, I've only recently started paying attention to whether what I'm reading is translated or not. So I know that I've read tons of translated books, either, you know, in school or on my own. Like, I read... Les Miserables when I was in high school, just kind of, I wanted to kind of challenge myself to do it. But I never thought about the fact that it was translated at the time. I just thought about the fact that I was going to get through this 1500 page book. Um, So I've probably read a lot more than I realize. Yeah, isn't it funny how, like, sometimes you'll forget that some of these classics were actually translated? Like, I just think of them as classics, but not as translated books. Mm, Right, exactly. Yep. Yeah, so I'm sure there's a lot out there. I just haven't actually taken the time to check. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, that got me thinking, like, I should have a translation, like, from another language shelf on Goodreads, because I was like, I was in the same boat as you. I'm like, what have I read that was actually translated? I don't know. I could know if I actually made a shelf of this, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea. I need need to be better about making shelves. Yeah, I need to better organize my Goodreads stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have a shelf for my kids. Like, these are the books I read to my kids. But I don't have a shelf for, like, translated books. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I need to get on that after we record this. (laughs) All right, you do that. Let us know how it goes. I'm sure there isn't that many. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I the ones that I, I think it's been like a 50-50, it's been kind of hit and miss for me for tr- translated books that I've read. Um, and it's not like, it's not like, oh, I can't read translated books. You know what I mean? I think it's just, I just don't actively seek them out. I don't actively like shy away from them. So... And and as English readers and speakers, we're pretty spoiled, right? Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> so much of what's published is in English. Yep. Well, and then it's like true. even if it's from another country, like if it's a Europe or a British book or you know a British author, then of course it's going to be in English. If it's an mm-hmm. Australian author, it's going to be in English. You know. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. Um, so even though it's you know, the author's from a different country, it's still in English. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's an actual other language. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I can't remember, I feel like it was someone on Litzy made this comment, and I think they said that they had heard it from a friend. So I, it's like, you know, a couple, couple people out. <laughs> but something to the effect of, you should read translated books, because if they took the time to translate it into English with how many english books there already are it must be really good (laughs) that's a good point i mean it is extra work that is a good point yeah (laughs) i was like huh i hadn't really thought of it that way but it does make sense because it's not always that easy to get things translated um which uh because we did read a translated book pretty early on in the podcast now i guess um with uh Pazi, who's from mm, Finland, yes. mm-hmm. and I know he was so excited to get it translated into English because that just opens up so much of a larger audience because, you know, yeah. Finland is on the smaller population side, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. I haven't really thought about that. 
Um, Because, I mean, a translation can kind of make or break a book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is very true. Um, So speaking of that, is there anything that you think can make or break a translated book or things that you just don't like to see in translations? I mean, personally, I don't like when, um, like, it feels translated, like it feels clearly strained or awkward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's, if the writing doesn't flow, if it seems kind of clunky. Yeah. 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 I, I actually have a really good, good example on this. Um, oh. Because, yeah, when we were talking um, in real life, like talking about translated books and stuff. And I think Janetta was, you mentioned manga. I was like, Oh yeah, those are all right. translated. And back in the day when anime and manga was not a huge thing in, in the U S so nineties uh, um, there, and the internet was coming into fruition, you know, there was a huge, huge breakout of fan translations where fans would get manga from Japan and then they would translate it themselves. So they would, you know, make a PDF and then like erase all the text and then put in, uh, translations. Um, yeah. And some of them were really bad (laughs) because, you know, they're, they're not, it's not their career. They're not like professional. Yeah. They're not professional translators. Yeah. So it would just sound awkward or just sound off or like it, it would just be like a strange like cutoff and it was it was bad <laughs> but I mean people would love it because they just wanted access to this type of literature you know <laughs> but then you like and so they'll take what they can get pretty right pretty <laughs> much I mean that was the same with fan translations when people would do that with anime you know people would actually fan sub them and the translations would just be awful and then, you know, you mm. buy it from a production company and you, you know, buy it at a store and it's just like, you can totally tell. <laughs> like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And it does. It makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess it's hard to say sometimes if it's the translation or if you just don't like the book right. <laughs> unless you pick up the same book with a different translation. Right. Um, but I feel like... I can't remember exactly what we talked about, but when Tara and I interviewed Ken Liu uh, a couple years ago, he does a lot of translation of Asian works, like Chinese, I believe, is yeah, the primary language that he translates. Mm-hmm. And right. it was just so interesting to hear his take on, on like, just keep, you, you, you know, you have to keep the feel of the book when you're translating it. Yeah. Oh, man, he he's so articulate anyway. He's just like, a freaking genius. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend going and listening to that interview with him if you're interested in translated works. And then obviously, if you're interested in his fantasy work, it's it's not a spoilery interview. Um, but it was just so interesting to hear his side of translating. Right. It was really, really cool. Yep. So yeah. what are some of your favorite translated books that you could remember that <laughs> were translated? <laughs> Um, well, I think there's, uh, I just, everybody agreed on this where, uh, rabbit back was a really good one. Um, I, I don't know something about it. That's just, just so good. And it's like, I love it how it just sticks with you, you know? 
Yeah, um, and like that that like weird eeriness yeah. came through the translation, right? Yes, totally did. It was so good. Um, and I loved Shadow of the Wind. Um, I think that was your pick, Jeanette, like years ago. It was. Oh my gosh. I loved that book. Such a good book. Um, and, and the book we're discussing, A Man Called Uva, like I love this book so much. Because <laughs> this was a reread for you, yes, right? this was a reread for me. Um, and it's just, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so those are definitely uh, the three that really like stood out in my mind and came to my mind. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Jeanette? Well, I, I really loved The Shadow of the Wind. Uh, I've been dying to reread it, so I'm going to probably pick that up sometime soon now that we're talking about translated books. <laughs> um, I also like The Alchemist and The Little Prince, so like going way back. Um, and Ink Heart, I read a couple years ago, and I hadn't realized before I picked it up that that was translated. Yeah, I, I didn't know just that. Just thinking yeah. that, like, I had no idea. <laughs> translated from German, I believe. Wow, the author ah, is German. Yeah, yeah, um, but it was really good. Um, and a p- unpopular opinion, I really liked One Hundred Years of Solitude and Anna Karenina. <laughs> just, I did. <laughs> I thought they were both really good. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Anna Karenina too, and. I know we talked about it on the episode, but when I first started it, I was actually very surprised how readable it was. Uh, not only is it translated, but you're you're like, oh, it's an old book, it's a classic, or whatever. <laughs> so it's going to be really dry, and and it wasn't. I, I thought it was it was, and again, maybe it was the translation, but I I enjoyed that translation. Yeah, um, I yeah I, Marquise, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can appreciate, honestly, I can appreciate that he must be a very talented writer because the translations, like the imagery, the language was beautiful, right? And it's not even in the original language. So it must be really good in Spanish. (laughs) I just had problems with the actual content. (laughs) That's fair. Uh. And yeah, of course, the Rabbitback Literature Society was amazing. Um, and that's the thing. Recently, I haven't read a ton of translated works, but obviously in school, I did. Um, I took a medieval literature class in college. So a lot of that, obviously, well, all of that would have been translated, even yeah. if it was like old English or something. Um, and so I never read Beowulf in high school. I didn't read it until that medieval lit class. And so I was expecting like this terrible thing because everyone always bemoaned about how hard it was to read and how boring it was. But I actually really enjoyed it. So maybe I just got a really good translation or maybe I just like old stuff. I don't know. Um so, like, we read that, we read a lot of the Arthurian romance, or uh, Arthurian adventures, and then we read, like, the romance of Tristan and Isolde, which was really good. Um, yeah, the Song of Roland good. was, like, this really cool epic battle thing. So, so yeah, so I guess I, I have read translated stuff, but I'd like to get into more, like, new popular translations as opposed to just all this old ancient stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So are there any translated books that you're really looking forward to reading or that you have on your TBR? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Um, I'm actually slowly working my way through Don Quixote this year. I'm so excited about it. I've been wanting to do it since we saw the musical a couple years back. So I'm, I do, you know, just a couple chapters at a time because it is a monster of a book. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, um, around the same time that we had the Ken Liu interview, I also heard another interview with Ken Liu and both places, like you said, he's so brilliant. He sounds so articulate and I'm dying to read Ken Liu now. Um, and then I'd like to read more by the authors that I've already read and enjoyed, um, like the sequels to Shadow of the Wind or and Inkheart or more by um, Isabella Allende, because I've really liked her work in the past and um, more by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, because like you said, his writing was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Tolstoy, of course. Nice. So. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Susan? Uh, well, as you know, I'm doing my reread, so not at the moment, no. <laughs> um, not for another six months. Um, but Shadow of the Wind is on my list of rereads. So at some point this year, I'm hoping to get to it. I just, I counted my rereads though. There's like over 50 books. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, I don't think I'm going to get to those in six months. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And then I just discovered another book that I was like, oh, I need to put this on my list. So it's like, you know, probably 60 now. <laughs> um, but they, once I am done, you know, when this, once the year is done, my mother-in-law got me a book. Brit Marie, Marie was here by Frederick Bachman because uh, she, she insisted she buy me something for my birthday <laughs> when she was here. Aw, that's nice. I was like, well, I don't really need anything. I was like, well, and we went to the bookstore in Boulder. And I was like, well, I have to go in the bookstore. And I found some books for the kids. And, you know, she's like, get a book for yourself. I was like, okay, I'll get a book for myself. So <laughs> <laughs> um, because I have the actual book um, that is on my immediate TBR. Um, so I'll probably, probably tackle that first thing next year. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, he actually has a handful of them out in English now, right? He does. Yes. Yep. Um, so that's keep exciting. them all over Litzy, and I'm like, man, now I have to read all of these. Yeah. <laughs> Darn. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, how about you, Meredith? Uh, so, I just got actually from Book Depository. I had to get uh, a UK book because it's not out in America yet. Mm. Come on, publishers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Pazzi's second book that's been translated into English, uh, Secret Passages in a Hillside Town, is yes. out in English, just not in America. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get it, go to Book Depository and pick it up. And they have free international shipping, which is pretty amazing. So <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> yeah, Yes, it is. It's very dangerous. But it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely want to read that soon. And... I've never read The Shadow of the Wind because I wasn't in book club when you guys read it. <laughs> Man, it was and right long before ago. you joined, too. <laughs> yeah, it must have been right before I joined. Um, it was. So, and I've had it on my Kindle for like two years. And I keep meaning, I'm like, this is the year I'm going to read it. Because usually in our book bingo uh, game that we have with our friends, there's pretty much always one that's like over 500 pages. And I'm like, this is the year I'm going to read it because it's long. And I I believe it's over 500 pages. Um, And I just, it hasn't happened yet. So I really (laughs) want to read that. You know how it goes, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And everyone keeps telling me I need to read My Brilliant Friend, which is the first book in a series by 
an Italian writer, and I right. forgot Elena to... Ferrante, right? There, thank you. Yes, I've heard it's amazing, so I definitely want to read that, and um, definitely want to pick up some of Ken Liu's translations, like the Three Body Problem. So that's what I have on my somewhat immediate TBR, but you know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I'd say it's not an immediate TBR, it'd be like, and a year later. Mm-hmm. Uh, definite bookworm problems. Yep. <laughs> um, but we also asked our Litzy followers for some of their favorite translated book recommendations. And man, they did not disappoint. Um, I I can't even read all of them because it would take too long. So if you follow us on Litzy, find that post if you're looking for some translated uh, works. But here's just a few. So Wandering Lynn had a few favorites that she listed, but um, she included The Little Prince and The Alchemist, which we have heard about. I know those are very popular ones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I've read The Alchemist. I have not read The Little Prince. So, And it's really short, right? I need to read that. It is. We had it. Uh, we had a copy when I was a kid. My dad had it like on the high shelf, and it was if it was on the high shelf, we weren't really supposed to touch it. Ah. So I remember, <laughs> I but I couldn't resist it. So I remember like taking it down and like carefully turning the pages because Aww. I had to read it. <laughs> and it made me so happy. Aww. <laughs> uh, and then a couple different followers mentioned this book I hadn't heard of but now I'm really interested. It's called The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out the Window and Disappeared. I haven't heard of that one either. That does sound very intriguing. Yeah, and so, um, because they had linked it in the comments, so I I pulled up the description, and it's definitely somewhat of a curmudgeon um, who goes off on an adventure on his 100-year birthday. And so it sounds really interesting. It sounds funny. It does. Liz Pixie said her all-time favorite is Miss Smilla's Feeling for Snow. Ephemeral Waltz um, also listed a few favorites, but mentioned any Murakami, especially Kafka on the Shore, which I need to read. All of this is reminding me of all the books <laughs> I need to read. I know. This is getting to be a problem. It is. Uh, Sprained Brain said Hands Down the Shadow of the Wind, which I know is very popular opinion amongst us. Mm-hmm. And Geeklet's favorite is one called Blindness. Hmm. So that's just a handful of them. But if you want to find some more translated book recommendations, check out the post on our Litzy page. Oh, so many books. (laughs) So many books. It's true. And it's just, you know, just expands with just translated works, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Like we didn't already have enough just English books, but now let's add in the translated to English. (laughs) Well, let's dive into this translated work. Um, A Man Called Uva. A short summary, Uva is a grumpy old man who meets his new neighbors, a family with two girls and another on the way. They seem to form an unlikely friendship and it is revealed that Uva is more than his grumpy exterior. Um, so let's start off with what was one thing that stood out to you in this book? Well, for me, I realized that I really like the grumpy old man trope when it's done well. (laughs) And I keep teasing Susan because Susan picks the grumpy old man books. But the truth is, like, I was laughing. I'm tearing up throughout the book. And it's summer here and it's been really, really hot. There's been a heat wave going on for, I think, two weeks now, it feels like. 
And I really enjoyed the wintry vibe of Uva because he's always walking through the snow and everything. It was, it, that helped me get through this heat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. The grumpy old man trope can be really fun. It is. Uh, so one thing that really kind of caught me off guard from what I had heard about the book is that Uva is not actually old, at least not what I consider old. <laughs> um, you know, the way this book had been described to me, oh, he's a curmudgeon, oh, you know, blah, 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 he's super cranky, he doesn't like anything. I just assumed he was going to be like, you know, like 75, some, something, you know, over 70. And then almost immediately in the book, it mentions that he's 59. And so that kind of threw me for a loop. It kind of made me stop and go, wait, what? He's 59? Yeah. That's not old. I mean, especially nowadays, um, you're not even retired by then. So that did kind of th- throw me for a loop. And and then as you go on, you kind of understand, understand maybe why he is the way he is. Yeah. And I guess is curmudgeon... What's the word? Like, I mean, it's it can just be a, a is it a lifestyle choice? It doesn't have to be how old you are. I choose to be a curmudgeon. That should be a badge. <laughs> My parents told me I could be anything I wanted to be. So I became a curmudgeon. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, just have a badge. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... I think one of the things is um, he's already retired. Like, his job forced him to retire, basically. Right, exactly. So I was thinking the same thing. I totally forgot rereading this, that he was pretty young. Um, but, like, you know, thinking older because his work forced him to retire and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah. And so that was interesting because as as that came out, because at first I'm like, why is this guy at home? He's like 59. He's, you know, I was like, Un- unless it's different in Sweden where you can retire really young. Right. <laughs> um, but then to hear, yeah, he was pretty much forced into retirement. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, man. So a lot of this crankiness and everything is making a lot more sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although go ahead. I do think he was cranky before. No, yes, sure. that is true. Because <laughs> they said at some point, like, what, he's been an old man since he was a child or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't think forced retirement helped. Just, no. No, yeah. I don't think that helped at all with everything else going on, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so one thing that stood out to me was how good the writing is. Um, it had just enough description to paint you the picture. But it didn't, like, go overboard, and it didn't, like, keep back anything. Um, and I think for a, you know, man called Uva, for a person like Uva, it was perfect, you know. And the translation reflected that so well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you don't think it went overboard with all of, like, the metaphors and the, like, he looked at her like this and this. Like, there was so much of that. Um, um, like all of these crazy descriptions. I don't uh, for me, I like those. Not for me. Yeah. yeah. It got a little old for me. But again, I can't I can't base that on the translation because that would have been what it's just his writing style, right. I suppose. Yeah. Um, I liked those because they were so specific. Yeah. If they were it like had really been, specific. 
<laughs> yeah, if it had been, you know, you know, the kind like kind of typical ones, like every few pages, she he looked at her like she was crazy. Mm-hmm. That would have been one thing, but it was always he looked at her like she had grown three heads and started tap dancing on her fingers, <laughs> or like it was so specific. I'd be like, oh, okay, I know exactly how he looked at her. Yeah. Yep. And he, I guess for me, it just became too much. I mean, yeah. I still enjoyed That's it, fair. but um, they were they were <laughs> extremely specific. And I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll give them points on, you know, imagination <laughs> and uniqueness that's for sure yeah and i think that's what it is like he's always pointing out the one thing that's bugging him about that person you know like the the um anders girlfriend the blonde with the with the rat dog (laughs) yeah (laughs) right like it's just i can see i can see what's bothering him it's like and then i'll be like oh i totally see it (laughs) so and and me okay maybe deep down inside it's me it's my curmudgeonliness coming out you know (laughs) this is who yeah get that dog off my lawn (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so um speaking of curmudgeonly (laughs) i kind of wanted to talk about because i mean this is kind of a tropey thing right the grumpy old man type Mm -hmm. right um so i just kind of wanted to see what like what curmudgeonly old men did came to mind for you, you know, while reading this book. Um, Because for me, like, characters like Carl from Up, um, Fickery from the storied life of A.J. Fickery, um, those kinds of people came to my mind. Um, And I was like, I still think Uva's the curmudgeonliest of them all. Yeah. So I had to think about it because, yeah, we had talked about uh, A.J. Fickery in our real life. And so then I'm scrolling through my Goodreads and then I'm like, oh, man, Ebenezer Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. Yes. Like, come on. He was like the first curmudgeon, right? Um, Totally. The curmudgeon to curmudgeon them all. I don't know. (laughs) OG curmudgeon. Um, Yeah. And and so it does. It is kind of heartwarming, right? Where you see like this, this, well, maybe not old maybe just a guy. <laughs> yeah. We're seeing that like AJ Fickery wasn't old either. Mm-hmm. No, um, he wasn't, but he was yeah. a great curmudgeon. Yep. Yeah. So again, I I guess maybe maybe I was um just had the wrong idea about curmudgeons and I was trying to pigeonhole them into being old, but I guess you can be a curmudgeon at any age if you really want to. You just got to put your <laughs> mind to it. It's true. It's that lifestyle <laughs> choice again, you know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, but it is. It's it's nice to kind of see when they start out grumpy and then something like breaks their icy heart. Oh my gosh, the Grinch. Oh my gosh, yes. The Grinch. <laughs> yes. It's true. Totally. He might not necessarily be human, but <laughs> just- but he is a curmudgeon which sticks to our lifestyle thing here. Yes. You know? Totally. <laughs> Um, yes, totally. The Grinch is a curmudgeon, you know. Oh my goodness! And you know, good old Cindy Lou there, Cindy who, <laughs> melting his heart makes his heart yes. grow. Oh, is that weird? Because <laughs> Ova has a big heart, <laughs> <laughs> but his big heart is a medical issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know what happens to the Grinch. 
after Christmas. Oh, sad Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, we don't see what happens after the feast. (laughs) Oh, gosh. How long does he live after that? Yeah. I'm sure he lives for a very long time. (laughs) Whoville seems like a place with great medical care. I think so. (laughs) I think so. And everybody's just overall in good health because they're all just so happy and laugh all the time, you know, and sing songs. Yeah, so. it's probably a very stress-free environment. I think so. Mm. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Kind of derailed that. That but. was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we kind of touched on it. Was Uva too curmudgeonly? Was he relatable or was he unrelatable because he was too curmudgeonly? No, I think he was relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did enjoy kind of going back into his life and and seeing kind of what how he became the way he is. Yeah, I mean, some of it is definitely just his personality, right? But some yeah. of it is just all of these things that happened to him. Yeah, and yeah, and he was just brought up that right is right and there are right ways to do things and there are wrong ways to do things. And there's not a whole lot of gray area where it, when it comes to him. And that can definitely be infuriating, especially with like silly things where he's like, I don't think it's right that I need to pay to park <laughs> at the hospital. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, whether you think it's right or not, you still have to pay. And well, I'm going to fight this. And, and so some of that was <laughs> really just infuriating. Um, but... I also see some of that in my husband. <laughs> He's like, I need to police the world because this is well, the way it should be. And blah, 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 you know, and I'm just like, oh, gosh, am I seeing my future in, in this? Your husband and um, my husband would be besties. Is, is that just that a just guy thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it's just a guy thing where, you know, like like the, the thing, I think it was near the beginning where Uva – is like, you know, he's going the speed limit, you know, and he's that's the speed limit, so he's going that and then someone's like getting all up on his on his tail mm-hmm. and like honking and everything and he just slows down and slows down and slows down. Like that is totally something my husband would do. <laughs> um totally. <laughs> Except, you know, like he he goes, you know, he'll go a little over the speed limit, but man, if if you were going the speed limit in the left lane, who <laughs> He, you know, he will like, uh, it is not good. Uh, so, but maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I definitely found him relatable. Some of that stuff, even I'll do, mm-hmm. like slowing down if the guy is um, on my tail. Totally do that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, maybe... You know, maybe some of us have an inner child and some of us have an inner grumpy old man. I don't know. But I found him really relatable. I could totally see where his he his perspective was coming from. Even at the same time, like if he was arguing with Parvana and I was understanding where she was coming from and I was like, y- you know what? Parvana's right here, dude. You need to back up. But at the same time, I still understood where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was, yeah, it was just so well done. Um, I I could see why he was grumpy, even if I didn't agree with it, or I wanted to be like, "Cheer up, dude! It's not the end of the world." <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, for me, the beginning, um, I remember thinking like, I think he's a little too grumpy. He needs to like relax a little bit. Um, but as you keep reading and you see his history, um, then I was a lot more sympathetic to him. And, uh, yeah. so I didn't really think he was too curmudgeonly. Like when, I, once you got like more into like a third of the way, halfway through the book, um, and to me, he was completely relatable. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah, like, you know, this needs to cause something. And like, I mean, I, I just find it so annoying that supermarkets do the two for one. But then if you do one, then it's the higher price because they want you to get two to get that higher, you know, like, that's just messed up. <laughs> yeah, that right. stuff annoys the heck out of me. You know, so like, I totally get where you're coming from, Uva. <laughs> Um, but it probably didn't help his underlying uh, heart condition. Yes. <laughs> like, you need no. to just like woo-saw and let things go, yep. you know, and he will not. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Well, it felt so bad when he wanted to join the military, you know, and yeah. then, you know, he goes to the health exam and then they find out he has a heart condition. And it's like, oh, but he really wanted to join the military. <laughs> Yeah, that made me sad. Yeah, yeah and I think it, that would have really been good for him. That structure and everything. Mm -hmm. He would have. Yeah. I think he would have like done so well. You know, but I don't know. Up to a certain point, he might not because politics then always goes comes into the mix. You yeah, know? that's fair. So, um, so when did you realize or discover what Uva's true nature is? Like, oh, this is who he really is. Like the very second he backed up the trailer for Parvana and Patrick, <laughs> I saw where this book was going. I was I was like, oh, I see where this is. I'm like, I love this. I love this. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. for it. <clears throat> yeah, because like he's complaining about it the whole time, but he's still helping them, you know? Right. So that was sweet. Um, yeah, I think I can't remember really what was happening before that. So... I'll go with Jeanette's answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, before that, he like takes a walk with a cat, and I think that's about all he gets done. Well, he kicks the cat. Before I think that. he tells the cat to go away. Um, yeah, I did not like the kicking of the cat. <laughs> I have a problem with people yeah. kicking things smaller than themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I wasn't about that. <laughs> but fair. then he comes out and he starts yelling about driving the trailer in the area where you can't. Where there's a sign, you can't drive here, but I'm going to back up your trailer anyway. Yeah. Well, this is also like, his okay. first attempt, isn't it? Um, Whose first attempt? To commit suicide. Oh, um, yeah, that, was that the same day? I, he, or I he think that was later that day. Yeah, okay. he hadn't drilled that was after that. yet, right? He was still, like, preparing, dealing with... Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, because I feel like like I feel like there were hints and that he was talking about it to the point where you realize like, oh, he's going to kill himself. Um, and then like, no, I think at that point it was still like, I'm going to put a hook in the ceiling. Okay, but you didn't know what the hook was for. Right. Yeah. I mean, it didn't like it didn't surprise me that that's where he was going because yeah, his wife had died. He had mm -hmm. lost the last bit of purpose in his life that was his job right. and so i definitely understood 
that, you know, where that was going once we got there. Mm -hmm. But like the hook, I didn't make the connection of the hook was to hang himself. I was just like, he's just finding something to obsess about right now. And he really wants to get this hook in the right place. And for whatever it is. Yeah, I was kind of getting suspicious because he was like making sure the hook was in the proper spot and stuff. I was like, oh, no. Uh, I didn't go that in that direction until they specifically said that he had to put the hook in the very center of the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out, what do you hang on a hook in the center of your living room? Right. That's a weird place to put a hook, you know, yeah. if he had, he had been putting up, you know, furniture, a light or a fan or something. Yeah. Something else you typically find on a living room ceiling. <laughs> but you don't like use that. a hook for a light fixture or fan fixture, you know? Exactly. So, and you, yeah. You know. But what else goes on the center right. of a living room ceiling? And then but I think, that's when I started to be suspicious. But I think that's the thing, like, because not much time is spent and, like before this happens with the trailer. So it's like the author's like, oh, this thing. But then, like, this huge thing happens right away, you know? Um, right. So it doesn't give you that much time to think about it too much because his mailbox is being run over. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I think uh, yeah. that's about the same time I realized like, oh, okay. He's just, he has a kind soul. He just has that grumpy exterior, you know? So Hard candy show. Yep. He's an M&M. With a, with a soft nougat <laughs> center. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so can we talk in case listeners are wondering this is how we talk to each other all the time <laughs> <laughs> i'm just thinking eminem now <laughs> so let's can we just talk about parvana and sonia please <laughs> yes yes like they're wonderful all day long yes i think <laughs> they are the two prominent women in his life because unfortunately his mom passed when he was younger um right so he was basically raised by his dad. Um, so meeting these two women in two different points in his life, um, I just, I think that was needed to help Uva live his life, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. what would his life have even been without Sonia? Ugh, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> Lonely and... yeah. I was going to say grumpy, but that makes it sound like, oh, just the same, but like grumpier. <laughs> yeah, and definitely lonelier. Um, yeah. yeah. I think he would have gone like the bad grumpy direction where he's just yeah. mean to everybody. Right, but not not the like, I'm going to complain while I still help you. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Right. Yeah. But man, Sonia was a saint, mm-hmm. right? Um, even, even though, you know, she's already passed by the time we're in this book, still just getting kind of like some of the flashbacks Mm -hmm. and just seeing how he feels about her. I was just like, oh my gosh, he loves her so much. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I mean, he builds, he rebuilds the kitchen for her, you know, Mm -hmm. like he did. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't know how many people would think about that. You know, like they would think of different ways to accommodate their significant other, you know, like they would do the cooking or they would maybe hire somebody or they would find other ways to make it work. But like Uva just literally built a new kitchen for her so that mm-hmm. she can do what she enjoys. 
Um, he he built her a wheelchair ramp yes. at her job because the freaking government wouldn't do it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Just and I and you know that broke my heart that he kind of blamed himself for the accident. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Where it's not his fault at all. <laughs> no. It's yeah. Not. Like oh man, it just broke my heart. <laughs> um, yeah, that was rough. Yeah, and I think I th- and it's with Sonia. It's like he experienced this like undying love, but at the same time, a lot of his grumpiness kind of started to come through because he had to deal with the bureaucracy um, and dealing with the accident because the driver was drunk. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think a lot of that bitterness and grumpiness comes from guilt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guilt and pain. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see it the first time I forget where it might have been when they had to go to the hospital the first time Mm -hmm. and he starts snapping at Parvana, you know, oh, don't you can't take the bus. Oh, yes. Buses are all driven by Mm -hmm. drunks. And we didn't know what had happened to Sonia yet. And I was like, that's a random thing to say. But, you know, I guess that's part of being a grumpy old man Mm -hmm. because that's how it comes off at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as the story is revealed, that comment makes so much sense in context. And then you feel just like so sad for him, Mm -hmm. like extra sad because he's carrying that guilt and that pain. Right. So many years later. Yeah. 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 And so with Parvana, would you think that um a little bit of the guilt kind of alleviates from him? You know, because he's like living life again sort of with them? Yeah, I mean, it kind of he's he's kind of just like flailing at that point, mm-hmm. you know, like he doesn't have a purpose and he's the kind of guy who really does need to have some structure to his life and feel like he has a purpose, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it starts out first with just, like, because uh, what was her husband's name? Patrick, yeah, I think? Patrick. Patrick. You know, he, like, you know, he falls off the ladder <laughs> when he's trying to fix things. He does. And, and so then they're actually having to lean a lot more on Uva mm-hmm. for things that they probably wouldn't have if her husband hadn't injured himself and been in, like, a leg and an arm cast and all of that. And so it it kind of starts out like that. And then it just, he just kind of becomes part of the family. Mm -hmm. And it was really sweet. And her daughters are just the cutest (laughs) things ever. (laughs) They are. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, the first time they called them granddad, like I cried. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this is so sweet. And then when Uva gives Parvana the crib, you know, that's why I feel like with Parvana, he's like living the life that he didn't get to. You know? Yeah, he he has the daughter that he didn't get to have. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's, you know, it's living the life he didn't get to, but I think he finds a different role. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, he's very, he's very think inside the box when it's in in the sense of, like, how he sees the world is how the world is. And I think that Parvana coming in his life kind of changed that. It shifted his world Mm -hmm. perspective in that I don't have to be, you know, Sonia's husband and 
we don't have to have the life that we planned out and I go to this job, my world can be different. I can be different things to other people. Yeah. Which I don't think he would have considered if Parvana hadn't been so very persistent and determined to kind of break through that grumpy shell. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and she must have known pretty early on that he was trying to commit suicide mm-hmm. because um, what was it the second time where he was in the garage? Yes. Yeah, I think and, she like, figured she goes, it out then. Right. I mean, because like, uh, why do you have all of these fumes building yeah. up in your garage? <laughs> uh, and a and hose so then, and yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, she I mean, I think then she like really took it on to be like, you are not going to kill yourself on my watch. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Which in its own way is you know, policing the neighborhood. She's got her own way of doing it. So Yep. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, and so that goes into the secondary characters um that surround Uva. Um do you think they like how do you think they helped him kind of find his purpose, you know, in this new role? I mean, cuz there was all sorts of different types of people like posers and suits and deadbeats and teens, you know? Um, yeah. It was just like a hodgepodge of everybody, right? Yep. <laughs> well, that's how a neighborhood is though. It's got all sorts of people living in it. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, there's like uh, Jimmy. Um, I mean, him and room bought his house, you know, for his mom, which I think was fantastic, yeah. you know? So that they wouldn't be homeless. Kind of yeah. help get them on, back on their feet. And then there's here's Jimmy now, later, like, helping him out, you know? Um, yeah. And then there's the, I can't, bike boy. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Yeah. Where he's fixing the bike for his girlfriend. And, you know, he had no idea. Adrian? It was Adrian, right? Mm, I think so. Well, Anders is the guy in the suit who had the blonde girlfriend. Yeah, Anders is the other neighbor. Yep. I think the boy is Adrian. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. So. Um, but then, you know. My library hold expired. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, um. Um, so, I, you know, Ova was mad that his, you know, parents did not teach him how to fix a bike and upkeep it, you know? <laughs> so, like, Ova's taken on that role. <laughs> Of like teacher and yeah, mentor. I mean, yeah, he definitely. I mean, he was always involved in the neighborhood, but more at like I don't know, like a, a higher level where he's just policing everything. Mm-hmm. But now he's actually having some more personal relationships with people, right? Because we know in the beginning when you first moved in, him and Rune were like, I guess, as best of friends as two curmudgeons can be. <laughs> right. Um, it's true you know you know they go around and kick the tires on their cars and talk about like whatever gas mileage or whatever but um (laughs) um but now it's like they all of these people he might be annoyed by it but they're really bringing him into the life of the neighborhood not just kind of as an outsider policing it but like really being a part of it which i thought was nice yeah Yeah. they bring out his different skills his different mm-hmm. roles that he can be yeah because i mean he is like talented he has so many skills you know right 
Um, yeah, I was so happy by the end where he pretty much became like the neighborhood handyman because mm-hmm. that's what I was thinking the whole yeah. time. I'm like, why don't you just become a an independent contractor? Like, you know how to fix everything in a house and you're still young. And it said that he's in like very good shape. Mm-hmm. So, right. Uh, so that made me happy. Yeah. I don't think he would have really thought about it because he was so used to like a super structured job. Like you get up, you go to work, you do your job at your work and then you come home. Whereas being right. a handyman, you know, you just kind of go wherever, you know what I mean? Um, that could be a That's way true. that he's be changed. Like, Anarchy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can't do that. There's no schedule. <laughs> Um, I make my own schedule, but yeah, so I think, I don't think it really occurred to him, you know, until, until, uh, at the end of the book where it's like, oh, I can still help people and do these things, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and feel useful. So, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the last important character of the book. Let's talk about Kat (laughs) really quickly. Aw, Kat. (laughs) I just love a good cat character. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge cat person, but it's just like, oh, yeah, cat. Because he never gave him a name, I mean, right? I don't believe so. Yeah. That is his name. His name is Cat. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, at least that's what Uva keeps yelling at him. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, cat. Well, I mean, the you know three quarters of the book discovers cat. You know, is freezing to death in the snow. And it's like, you got to save the cat. <laughs> hey, that was Parvana again, yes. right? You have to save the yes. cat. <laughs> Good. Thank you, Parvana. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, yeah, Sonia definitely sent that cat to him, right? Yeah. I mean. She um, must have. But it's true. Like, I feel like I've seen threads on Twitter or, like, maybe, like, you know, actual articles where like, it's pretty much like, well, I guess I, I own a cat now where like (laughs) cats just like randomly befriend you Mm -hmm. or like show up at your house and then, oh, I guess I have a cat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it is a thing that happens, Mm -hmm. but I do have to say like, this was the chillest stray cat I've ever seen that like didn't freak out when it was put in a car with people, you know, like, so there are definitely some things where I was like, I don't know if that's completely realistic, but I'm on board with it <laughs> because I like the cat. Yeah, it's once a cat decides that it owns you, it's gonna, you know, have to go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like I love him, and it's like he may not be the prettiest cat, but he has like the curmudgeonliest awesome personality. And because like my cat was a grumpy old man. Like, he only liked me. Your cat was a grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> I never met your cat, Susan, but I've heard the, the tales. <laughs> yeah, if you heard from one, our friend. One of our friends would have sworn that my cat was trying to kill him. Uh, <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> um, but I do not put that beyond the realm of possibility. <laughs> But I mean, my cat only loved me and he tolerated David. Um, everyone else, he just kind of tolerated. Um, <laughs> but, let's, but I feel like this cat actually liked people, you know? Yeah. Um, it definitely had dog-like personalities, right? Yep. Um, personality traits, I guess. Which some cats um, do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Some cats do have dog, dog-like personalities. 
Um, I mean, Jeanette, you've met my cats, and I, I would say Jimmy has a dog-like personality. Oh, yeah. He um, definitely does. But I still wouldn't be able to take him out in public and him be as chill as this oh, cat no. is. You know? Nope. <laughs> um, I wish I could, man. I'd take him everywhere. Oh, I tried putting my cat on a leash. Like, he had a harness and a leash, and, man, it was he just decided to burrow under bushes. And so the leash got tangled in the bushes. I was like, damn it. (laughs) So that didn't quite work out. (laughs) Yeah. My brother's cat is very dog-like as well. I don't know that he would walk with my brother into a cafe and... (laughs) Just do like whatever, but <laughs> and you know, I don't think the owners would be happy if a cat came into a cafe here. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that'd be frowned upon a- after well, they got was... over their shock of there's a cat here, like just hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> it was a frowned upon in the book too, but Uva just didn't care. And this oh, is true. that's true. Yeah, that's true. It was like I'll fix your what was it? Your fan? Like his, yeah, his exhaust fan, mm-hmm. or his exhaust heater, fan. or something. I'll fix yeah. it, and the cat stays. Yep. And that just shows you too. He he like he acts like he doesn't like the cat, but he actually really loves the yes, cat. He does. He it's does. I like, oh yay. <laughs> <laughs> so yay cat. Uh so let's uh let's get on with our last question here, which won't take too long, I think. <laughs> Did you like it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was really cute and I'm glad that I finally have read it because I've heard great things about mm-hmm. it and it, it definitely was it was heartwarming and funny, yep. and it was a good read. Yeah, I it mean, this really is a book one. I recommend to everybody who's like, oh, what do you recommend? Like, just, you know, a regular book, if I don't know kind of what their likes are and tastes are. Man Called Uva. Universal Wreck. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. 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 So our next book on Eclectic Readers is going to be America's First Daughter by Stephanie Dre. So we're going into historical fiction next month. Fun stuff. Yep. Exactly. Will be. <laughs> it's been a while. It has. Yeah. In the meantime, if you want to look up any of the other books that we've discussed on the podcast today, you can check out our show notes at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 50. Because again, it's our 50th episode and that's awesome. <laughs> and if you're looking for us, you can find us on the internet. Susan, where can people find you? Well, people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and let's see at Rudy Kaicho. That's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. And how about you, Meredith? So you can find me on Instagram, let's see Goodreads, and Twitter, all at Mare the Book Gal. And if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Jeanette. That's D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. And on Goodreads and Litzy at J-M-T-R-I-V-E-R-A, J-M-T Rivera. And we promise we will not be curmudgeonly at you. <laughs> well, maybe a little. Well, I don't it's, know. But only if you like it's it. It's going to depend on the time of day, honestly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and if you subscribe in your favorite podcatcher, you will never, ever miss an episode. Not even when we do fun ones, like when we interviewed Ken Liu that we talked about a lot uh, today. And you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and that will help other readers find our podcast, and that's really helpful to us. So please go do that. And I think that's it for today. So let's shelve this until next month. Yes. Bye, guys. 
拜。Bye